tell you, your hope in tomorrow absolutely colors your present reality. Don't think for one second that your views of what's going to happen in the future does not radically impact who you are right now. So many of us are making bad decisions in the present because we struggle to hope in the future. And what you're doing is you're actually giving up the present and the future for something that may and probably won't ever happen. What if you looked at every person and thought, I don't know every bit of information about him, so I'm going to withhold judgment. It's our tendency to think we know people, especially when it comes to their sins and flaws. If you could get past that, imagine what kind of healing and selfless love you could give. Today, Pastor Daniel helps us to define this difficult kind of love and to execute it the way our Father would. Now, here's Pastor Daniel with his continuing study entitled, Love Defined. who are born again and you're praying about you're like wow there's a lot of tension there and now I'm here to tell you I realize that when I even say that that's a challenging statement because everybody wants to resolve the tensions right like everyone's like I just want it to be nice and neat in a little bow thank you very much but actually I believe the grace of God and faith in the Lord actually exists in the tension. When you're willing to say, I feel like I'm straddling two things. But ultimately, when the cultural desires of our world and God's desires for eternity, when they are separate, which lane do we have to jump into? If we're Christians, then it's the Lord's. We end up saying, okay, I'm going to abandon this one because I need to be here rather than there. But we all struggle with that tension. And that's why love doesn't rejoice in iniquity, but it rejoices in the truth. True love sees the world as true love sees the world. We have to say, God, what do you see? And that's why one of my favorite verses, Ephesians 4, 15, it says, speaking the truth in love. If you were to look at the Greek, it doesn't actually say speaking the truth. It actually says truthing. The way of truth. Be truthing in love. And it was Warren Wiersbe who said, and I quote this all the time every time we get to this verse, this love and truth. And Warren Wiersbe said it this way, love without truth is hypocrisy. And truth without love is brutality. Love without truth is hypocrisy. And truth without love is brutality. And what happens, I think, for most of us is love and truth begin to fight one another. And so what happens, you have people, I just want to love people because God is love. But what they do is they say, I want to love everybody, but I don't want to honor God's truth. And know what you get? You get hypocrisy at the end. Because if you love without truth, it's not really love. And there's a whole subsection of Christianity today, not the magazine, but Christianity in this generation, There's a whole subset that says, I just want to love everybody, but I don't want to stand up for God's truth because that's offensive. So we try and reason this stuff away. Let's pretend that God didn't say that. 
Let's pretend like that's not in the word of God. Right? That's not love. That's just hypocrisy. It's not rooted in anything that has any substance. There's no foundation to it. And I'm sure some of you in here, you're just like, that's me. I know God's word says this, but I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I don't want to challenge anybody. Who am I? I'm messed up. So I'm going to pretend like those things aren't there. No, no, that's not the way to do it. You need to hold those two things in tension. You can love somebody who you don't agree with. You know how? Because that's exactly what God does for you and me. See, God loves us, but he doesn't agree with everything. He gives us the space to make decisions, but he still loves us. He's not against us. Could you imagine if God wrote us off if we did something he didn't like? We'd never be found. He would have gotten rid of us the first day. First time I was hungry and I just screamed my head off. Because isn't that what you do when you're a baby? If you don't believe it, you can come to my house. About 11 o'clock at night. I'm hungry! And they scream and she screams and screams and screams until you come in and feed her. And then she smiles at you. Little selfish baby. She's not starving to death either because she's got those little baby rolls now. I call them cinnamon buns. You know, cinnamon. Mm. You know, it's like with, with a wrist, there's like a big distinction. There's a big roll there. It's so awesome. We develop those again later in life, but they're not as cute. <laughs> and it's funny, you know, and that's, so you say, oh, well, Pastor, and that's not a good example, because she's a newborn. That's the only way she can communicate. If you don't, you can come see my other kids. They can communicate really well. See, love, when it's divorced from truth, is hypocrisy. Now, I want to talk to those of you here who are either you're Christians and you're solid in Jesus, or you believe that you are the smartest person around. And there's a whole lot of you in here who are like that too. You're not Christian, but you just, you know more than everybody else, right? Truth without love is brutality. What that means is that it's, this is the truth. This is what it is. This is how it works. And if you divorce that from love, all you are is brutal to people. You hurt people. It's either your way or the highway. Now, the Pharisees were truth without love people, right? They loved God and they loved his word, but they didn't love anybody else. They didn't realize that God's grace was for the people who were far and that they were supposed to be going and caring and loving and serving those people so that they didn't come to know God. Instead, they pushed everybody away and they said, you are wrong, you are evil, and God doesn't love you. Now, you know what's scary about that? If you were to ask the average person on the streets of Vancouver or Portland what they think about born-again Christians, they'll probably explain something just like that. Now, some of it's a cop-out, but some of it is really real. Okay? So some of it is not totally the truth, and it's a cop-out, just a reason not to believe. But for a lot of us, we know the truth, but we don't marry it to God's love, and it becomes brutal. And let me ask you this. Is God's love brutal with you? No, all right. It is firm, supple, but not brutal. And so we need to make sure that the love that we're talking, it is truth laden. It's not I'm giving up truth for love, that's hypocrisy, or I'm giving up love for truth, that's brutality. It's that sweet spot where you say, I do not agree, but I do love you. I know it's funny. 
With the people in your life who there's a lot of love with and there is a disagreement, isn't that relationship still strong even though there's a disagreement? See, there's a way to say, I absolutely disagree with you in a way that doesn't say, I hate you and so does God. And brothers and sisters, we need to find that. We need to find that sweet spot that says, my love does not rejoice in iniquity. It does rejoice in the truth. And if you do not follow the truth of God, I still love you and I'm for you. I'll still spend time with you and bless you and be a part of your life, although I won't partake in the same things. See, God's truth is that Jesus Christ is Lord and there is no other. And the love of God that he has for us rejoices in that. So brothers and sisters, we need to speak the truth in love. We don't want to rejoice in iniquity. Instead, we want to rejoice in the truth. Now in verse 7, we get the alls, the four alls. Look at what it says. Love bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. And it endures all things. Now, Charles Spurgeon, the Prince of Preachers, calls this love's four sweet companions. It's strength, it's believing, it's hopeful, and it's enduring. Now, how many times have you heard me say this? The word all means what? All, that's right. Because love should be all in. Love should be all in. All in. Now, these four Companions, they're sweet companions. They're all challenging to us in different ways. Look, first it says, love bears all things. Now, the word bears literally means to cover or to hide by covering or to ward off by covering. That's where you get the idea of enduring. It means that love covers faults. Now, think about that for a second. Love covers faults. Think about what Jesus did. Jesus died to cover our sins, cover our faults, right? He gave up his life and absorbed all the things that we do wrong that we who are full of sin can be seen as sinless. And so love bears all things. What this means for you and I, love conceals what is displeasing in another and does not drag it into the piteous light of public scrutiny. Our culture doesn't value that at all, right? Like somebody does something wrong and it's plastered on the headlines. Everyone talking about it. But that's not loving. That's just us rejoicing in iniquity, enjoying watching someone fail. Love bears all things. See, what this means... Now, don't get me wrong. This doesn't mean if somebody is acting in a criminal way that we should pretend like they're not. There are certain things that need to be dealt with the right way, but it doesn't mean that we should stop loving them if that's the case. You can completely dislike what someone's doing and you can still love them because love bears all things. No matter what somebody is, because God's grace is still sufficient for them if they would repent, then we should still be able to love somebody even though we don't agree with them. Now think about how challenging that is. Now, again, I said it, I'm going to say it again. Love does not say that you are naive and that you should let somebody hurt you over and over and over again that's not loving either because it's not founded in the truth. But you can still say, I love you, but I'm not going to allow you to, I'm not going to enable you to do that anymore. 
Isn't that the most loving thing in those cases? Because some of us are in situations with people where they take and take and take. They hurt you. They use you. It's not loving to say, well, hey, love bears all things. So you just keep doing it, bro. That's not love. That's enabling someone to sin. And that's actually not loving yourself in the way that God loves you. But you can still put a, a boundary there, but still love them. Does it make sense? So love bears all things in that it's willing to say, I am going to cover, I am going to endure with you, but I'm not going to allow you to keep doing what you're doing. See, love bears all things. It covers faults. Now, here's the thing. I think it's important for you and I to learn how to not share along things that you don't know if you should share it along. See, I think what happened, we're so used to talking to people that we're not good at talking to the Lord. And so we end up wanting to share along things and, and, and say, oh, well, this person did this. But that's not covering. That's just being a gossip. So see, love endures all things. Not only that, I love this. It bears all things. It believes all things. Now, believes all things speaks of it, God's love being trusting. Now, it's not speaking about being gullible or naive. Believes all things points to the quality that you always see the best in others. Always see the best in others. That you're willing to say, I'm going to give that person the benefit of the doubt. That's hard, isn't it? But that's what love does. Especially when someone has a track record and we realize that, hey, they keep doing this thing and it's been going on forever, but you still give them, I'm going to believe in God's work in their life. I'm going to believe that maybe God is at work and what I've always seen from this person isn't still there. Now, I want to be honest with you. So to bring it down to, to surface level for Crossroads, in the last year, there's been lots of transitions. Lots. You know? And there's some people, I'm amazed at how quickly people would think the worst of a situation. It's just, it, like, it's, it boggles my mind, really. It's like, it's like a conspiracy theory or something. And then, you know, and I realize that sometimes we just have a tendency just to always think the worst about a situation or about a person. And that's very natural, but it's not biblical. See, because love believes all things. Love is saying, look, without all the information, I'm going to withhold judgment. Isn't that the proverb, the fool answers a matter before he hears it? That's why a judge, before he renders a decision, hears the whole case and not just one side of a case. See, we live in a snap judgment culture. And I don't know how often I have to go back to this verse. And in my own heart, just this week, there were some situations and I had to go back to, but love believes all things. Love gives the benefit of the doubt. Love says, I'm going to trust that God is at work. It doesn't mean I'm going to be gullible, but I am going to say, I'm going to trust you, Lord, and I'm going to keep my head up. Think about how powerful this is in a family or in a marriage where you have 30, 50, 60, 80, 90 years of experiences. What does it look like for love to believe all things? 
What does it look like to say, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt? Yeah, you probably don't deserve it, but you know what? I didn't deserve God's grace either. Because love believes all things. Not only that, love hopes all things. Which means that God's love and our love should be optimistic. It hopes in the future and what's happening going forward. It's not an unreasonable optimism, but it's a refusal to say it's always going to be bad. How many of you have a view of the future? Don't raise your hand. But it's just exceedingly negative. It's it's, it's all going bad. It's going to be bad, right? That's not hopeful. It's not optimistic. See, our hopefulness is not in the government. It's not in that we're getting younger and stronger every day. It's none of that stuff. It's not that we're, you know, oh, it's, we're going to be more wealthy tomorrow. Our hope is that God is God and he's on the throne and that no matter what happens, God's got this thing covered. Even if I don't understand it, even if I don't like it, even if it goes against everything that I would ever or any human would ever want, we still trust in the living God. And hope is important. Many of us struggle to see the future in a hopeful way, because we look at the signs, you're like, man, listen, this is bad. This is not going well. Things are not going to work out. And then you think of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, where he talked about, take no anxious thought about tomorrow, and which one of you, by worrying, can make yourself any taller? Look at the birds of the field, look at the, or look at the birds of the air, the lilies of the field. God takes care of them. He's going to take care of you. So you have all these verses that say, you should be hopeful, and then we're like, you know what? I don't have any hope in tomorrow. I don't believe that God's got this. I don't believe that this is going to work out. See, you and I and our love can be hopeful because our confidence is in God. Our confidence is saying, Lord, you got this. This is okay because you are still on the throne. And I'm here to tell you, your hope in tomorrow absolutely colors your present reality. Don't think for one second that your views of what's going to happen in the future does not radically impact who you are right now. So many of us are making bad decisions in the present because we struggle to hope in the future. And what you're doing is you're actually giving up the present and the future for something that may and probably won't ever happen. How many of us have successfully predicted the future? Yeah, that's right. I put my hand down. None of us have. None of us have gotten it all dialed in for what tomorrow is going to look like ever. We have a 0% batting average on saying what the future is going to hold. 0%. Maybe everyone, maybe you're batting 097. Because every once in a while you get one kind of right. You realize that so-and-so is going to be voted off your favorite reality TV show or whatever. And so, so to be, give us a little wiggle room there, you know. But love hopes all things. See, love believes in God for the future. And we translate that trust in God for the future into the present. And we say, I know that God's at work. I know that God's going to do something. And hope is important. I always think of John's been on our staff for a long, long time here. One time he was sharing about some situations in his life. He says, you know, Daniel, I just always remind people, always choose hope. And given the circumstances that he was talking about, series of losses in his life. I was like, I was like welled up with tears. It's just truth for my brother. Standing there out in the family room on a Monday morning. Always choose hope. Why? Because love hopes all things. 
It hopes, it believes, it trusts. And then I love this, love endures all things. So not only does it bear things, it, it's able to cover, not only does it believe, it's, it trusts, it thinks the best about it, not only is it hopeful, it trusts in the future, but love endures all things. And this speaks of perseverance. It speaks of steadfastness. It's not a patient, resigned ambivalence. Instead, it's an active, positive fortitude. I like that. That's a good way to think of endurance. It's not a passive Ambivalent, okay, it's just it's gonna happen. It's, it's kind of like when you go to the doctor and they need to give you a shot, right? You just gotta like try and like relax. You guys, yeah, nobody likes it. Sorry, uncomfortable Sunday morning, you know? So you just kind of resign yourself to what it is. No. Endurance is an active, positive fortitude. See, love is steadfast, it doesn't quit, it doesn't slow down. It's positive, it's active, it's steady. It's immovable. How many of us feel like our love is like that? That you're able to persevere. I'm just going to keep charging forward. No matter what the cost is. See, that's what Jesus has done and is for us. Doesn't stop. Endures all things. Love is not overwhelmed. It's able to keep on doing it. Love never fails. That's verse 8, the beginning. Love never fails. Love is permanent. Love is permanent. Quitting and love don't mix. Love is permanent. It never fails. It never falls. It doesn't end. Now, listen. My friends, this is important because we do live, and I've talked about this before, the law of reciprocal affection. Psychologists in studying love say, I will give you love if you give me love. If you love me, I'll love you back. And then if you stop loving me, then I will stop loving you back. Right? That is very normal. That's just the way life goes. You look back over your life, there's people who say they love you, and then they're great. And you love them back, and then they stop loving you. You say, okay, I'm not going to love you anymore. Actually, I don't love you. I really hate you. Because isn't it easy to hate somebody who used to love you who doesn't love you anymore? But then you read this. Love never fails. It never falls. It's permanent. It doesn't stop. There's no end to it. It never folds under the pressure of intensity or lack. Now, I know you know this, but I got to say it. This is God's love for us. And this is as we experience the love of God for us in Christ Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit, then we push it forward to the rest of the world. God's love for us never fails. Listen to Romans chapter 8, verses 37 to 39. I love this. The Apostle Paul says, And yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Jesus is real. When a person is doing something sinful, the tendency in our culture is to expose that person's shame. That's not loving. Today, we discerned how we can love someone through their sin without embracing their rebellion. Giving is one of the central themes in the Bible. 
Believe it or not, it's the main subject of nearly half of the parables that Jesus taught. Like prayer and serving others, money is an outlet of spiritual power. When it's released into ministry, God does amazing things with it. To understand what it means to be a Christ follower, we must also understand what it means to be a giver. Please prayerfully consider becoming a monthly supporter of Jesus is Real Radio. For more information, log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thanks, Josh. Pastor Daniel would like to invite you to join him each day on Facebook for his two-minute messages. Pastor Daniel shares from his heart and God's Word in a way that will impact your life. It's the perfect way to inject a little bit of Jesus into your routine. Log on to JesusIsRealRadio.com and follow the links to the two-minute messages. Now, here's Josh with a preview of what Pastor Daniel will be covering in the next edition of Jesus Is Real Radio. Join us again here on Jesus Is Real Radio when we'll hear about what it looks like when people live out the messages given by God about love. Some giftings are only for this side of eternity, but love is forever. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Daniel continues teaching through his series entitled, The Greatest. That's next time on Jesus Is Real Radio.